All right, I think we'll uh, get started here. I don't know why this slide didn't line up. It was right when I, on my computer, so I'm not sure why it's here, but it basically just says this is a backward lesson of wisdom. Um, what does it mean to go backwards? This is the obvious, to go backwards. You don't ever want to be in that spot going down a steep hill or maybe on skis or something like that. But what else does it mean to be backwards? If something's backwards, what does that mean? They talk about someone being backwards. What's that mean? Awkward or different? Yeah, they're awkward. Um, they're different. They're, they don't really fit in with everything else that's around. Um, they're out of touch. They're out of date. Um, that's not something that generally is desirable. We don't want to be considered the backward um, people in the group. Um, but in our passage tonight, our lesson appears backward in the sense that we get our applications first and then we talk about the lesson after that. But it's the way that God arranges the text for us. And I think there's a lesson hidden in that for us in this sense is that what he's teaching us in this passage, what the Lord is teaching us in this passage is it's okay to be backwards in this world. We're not supposed to be like the rest of the world. We should be backwards from what they're looking at. But in reality, we know what the scripture teaches and what we'll look at tonight is that they're the ones that are going backwards down the hill, not us. It's them. And we'll, we'll talk about that tonight as we get into these verses here in uh, Proverbs uh, 24. We're going to see some more ways that wisdom can be used and that sometimes it might be good to be backwards. So let's start with a word of prayer here. Our gracious Father, we thank you for uh, the scriptures. We thank you for the guidance that we have from the Holy Spirit and trust that you would guide us tonight through your word. Uh, may um, our lives be pleasing to you. Uh, may they not be backwards um, to you, Father, but rather backwards to the world. And we'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Um, <clears throat> let's start here in uh, Proverbs chapter 24 and uh, talk about um, the applications, wisdom's applications. Um, you heard about the old gray-haired lady. She was a upstanding, long-time member of the community in the church, and she shook hands with the minister after the service one morning. She said, that was just a wonderful sermon that you had this morning. She said, just wonderful. Everything you said applies to somebody else that I know. <laughs> so uh, unused truth becomes useless, um, just like unused muscle does when it's not. Uh, it becomes useless as well. And so it is with wisdom. Um, wisdom is useless if we don't use it, if we don't live according to it um, in our lives. So let's start here. Um, what are the benefits of wisdom? Number one, wisdom helps us to avoid bad company. It helps us to avoid bad company. Several times we see warnings throughout Proverbs um, concerning bad company back in Proverbs. Uh, chapter 3, I think I put these verses on your notes there. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 31, there was a warning. Do not envy the oppressor, choose none of his ways, um, for the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. Also in Proverbs chapter 23, um, verse 17, do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord. 
for surely there is a hereafter and your hope will not be cut off. I love that verse there, for surely there is a hereafter. That was how sure the Old Testament um, scripture writers were of eternal life. Also in Proverbs chapter 24, um, verse 19, it says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked, for there will be no prospect for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. That's so easy to read those verses, and it's so hard when you're in life and you're going through life and you're the backward one in the group, you're the backward one at work, you're the backward one at school, and the wicked seem to be doing so well. They're just excelling in everything they do. And it's like, God, why do you allow this to go on? Why is there no justice now? And um, that's not up for us to, to say or to make that call. Obviously, from Scripture, uh, their future is not bright. Therefore, uh, there's really no reason that we should envy them because these lives are so temporal. Uh, there's no reason to look forward to anything else um, other than what God has promised us in the Word. So we're not to be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. So one way we can apply wisdom is that it helps us to avoid bad company. Verse 2, it says, Their heart devises violence. Their lips talk of troublemaking. Here it's because they're, they're going to get us in trouble when we spend time with bad company. And that verse there, those of you that are newer to our church, I pound this verse into our young people. I try to get them to remember First uh, Corinthians 15.33, Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And when you ever see verses that say, Do not be deceived, that's because we have a tendency to be deceived. That's why God says that. Don't be deceived because you're probably going to. So you need to pay attention uh, to this. Bad company corrupts good morals. And um, what they truly are comes out in the fruit that they bear, particularly here, um, the words that they say um, in, these, um, in these contacts that we have with them. Back in Proverbs chapter 4, Verse 23, Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. So when you're spending time with other people, and you sense in them perverse lips, stay away from those kind of people. So I always told my kids, if they speak evil about authority, if they swear generally they're going to be bad company that's what you're going to find in those types of people because it will it will come spilling out of them so if we're to stay away from people who plot evil um, and that are bad company who are we to spend time with well we need to look for fruit bearers in verse three through wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established so this could refer to building literal houses, more than likely it refers to doing any task that is positive, doing something that helps others, that builds others up rather than tears them down um, or hurts them. A house, what does a house do for you? A house contributes to security. Um, in the first two verses, the actions of the evil men help them. Uh, they don't help others, they, they hurt others. Here, wisdom is able to help others. It is a secure place to be. It's a prosperous place to be. Through wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, 
it is established. Going on, verse 4, by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So the evil man, he's out there stealing and harming people. The wise man um, has pleasant and precious riches. So what are these pleasant and precious riches? Well, we know that it's more than just money. Uh, back in Proverbs chapter 1, you remember back there, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 13? We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Who's speaking there? You remember Proverbs 1? Those are the bad company guys. They're the ones that are trying to lure you away from where God wants you to be, and they lead you astray. But our, our good things, our um, precious things are much more than just the things of this world. It's much more than just money, <coughs> stolen money in particular. It's all the things like peace, security, contentment. You can't buy those things with money. You can't buy contentment with money. And that is probably one of the most valuable resources that God has allowed us to have is, is contentment as long as we're seeking the right things um, in our lives. Uh, back in uh, Proverbs 24, verse 5, a wise man is strong. He's a strong person. He's strong not just physically, he's strong mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And um, he's the person that you go to when you're in trouble, where you can get counsel, where you can get advice, where you can get the words of experience speaking from uh, years of being obedient to the word of God. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. So how do we increase strength? Well, we increase strength by building other people up. We talk about spiritual and emotional uh, things that are going to build people up. We talk about the scriptures. We, we teach the scriptures. We gain from our faith. Um, we learn from the word of God. We fellowship with other people that are going to encourage us and pray for us and and build us up. A wise man knows that he is not self-sufficient. He's not self-sufficient. He relies upon God and he relies upon other people. He needs both of those things. He's not an island to himself. He's involved in the local church. He gets counsel there. He gets encouragement. He passes that on to others. He's a disciple maker. Having been a disciple, he's now discipling others and leading them in a right relationship with Christ. So he's a strong man, and knowledge increases his strength, increases the strength of those around him. Um, going on in verse 6, for by wise counsel you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. And once again, that's a confirmation of what we just talked about. He needs other people around him. He knows that, and uh, he, he becomes one of those um, safety counselors for others um, in his life. So wisdom's applications are many, but in general here what we're looking at is they protect us from evil and they help us to bear fruit in our lives. Um, that's what wisdom can do for us. So what about this? So we're going to work backwards now a little bit. That was our application. Now we're going to work backwards, something that we don't normally do. And we're going to talk about possible failures if wisdom is not applied. Possible failures if wisdom is not applied. How many of you know who this uh, guy is? Bill Maher. Um, you probably have seen him before 
um, in the news, maybe on late night TV. Hopefully you don't watch this program. It's full of all sorts of heresies and wickedness and evil. Um, but he's, he's made the news again this week for making fun of you and you and you and you. So let me just read you some highlights of some of the things he said uh, the other day. He said, we have a problem in America called spatial geographic inequality, which means that the most affluent and educated people are clustered in just a few cities. Uh, Mr. Maher cited the now infamous quote by twice failed presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, who said last year that she won the states that are optimistic, diverse, dynamic, and moving forward whereas the people who voted for President Trump support moving the country backward. No one ever asks what, uh, no one ever asks in our part of the country, which, which you're, he's making fun of the red states there. You all know that you're really red right here where you live. This is a red area, red zone in this area. Um, he says, no one ever asks you there, who are you wearing? I, I'm, I think that means like designers or whatever, who are you wearing? Nobody ever asks you who are you wearing because the answer is always Target. Well, he doesn't know anything because really Kohl's is really better than Target, I think. You get way better sales when you got the 30% off uh, coupon. Um, he said there are two Americas. <laughs> this, it's actually kind of funny. He said there's two Americas. We have Chef Wolfgang Puck. They have Chef Boyardee. I kind of like Chef Boyardee, so I don't know what the problem is. He says, our roofs have solar panels, theirs have last year's Christmas lights. And that, that's just a sampling of what he said. He had some other disgusting things in there that I would not repeat in church what he talked about. One of them was so disgusting, I had to look it up to even find out what it meant. And I've lived a pretty disgusting life. And for me to have to look it up, it was pretty bad. What he was talking about, bragging that they have that we don't, and I'm glad we don't have that in this part of the world. And of course, the implication here um, by him is that um, they're the smart ones. He said all the really smart people just live in a few cities. That's where all the smart people are. Um, we are the backward religious wackos. So the world thinks we are the ones that are backward. And that's where the trick comes in. They're really the ones sailing backwards down the hill. We're the ones going forward but yet they think we're backward, that we don't really understand um, what they're doing. The problem is we understand it all too well, what they're doing. They don't understand us. So um, there's a few um, failures of wisdom here um, or possibilities of failure with wisdom. Uh, here's the first one. It's that it brings no respect from the truly wise. It brings no respect from the truly wise. In verse 7, it says, Wisdom is too lofty for a fool. Wisdom is too lofty for a fool. Um, and that is where I would classify that guy and the others like him on the coasts of this nation that are dragging us down a dark road. Um, they're fools. I mean, the simplest way you can say what they are, they're fools. They don't understand what they're doing. Um, the word for fool here uh, means an arrogant, hardened fool. They cannot appreciate true wisdom, and that's the world today. 
Our world today does not appreciate true wisdom that comes from God. Um, and that's the way it's always been. I want to go to the oldest book of the Bible here, which you all know. What's the oldest book of the Bible? Job. Job. Very good. Job chapter 5, verse 13. Job verse, uh, uh, 5, verse 13 says this, He catches the wise in their own craftiness, and the counsel of the cunning comes quickly upon them. I mean, people in Job's day didn't even understand the wisdom of God and weren't connected with it. Job was, but those that are around him weren't. I want to read some familiar passages we, we studied recently um, from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, this is kind of a lengthy reading, but I'll read this to you here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, for since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And then flip over a couple chapters to um, chapter 3 of uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and that's the wise of this world, and they are futile to him. They are futile to him. And so that's where our world is at. They're in this state of foolishness, and they don't even have a clue um, where they're at. It's kind of sad. I just read a statistic today that in Colorado, the first place where they legalized uh, marijuana, uh, marijuana stores are growing at a 12 times greater rate than McDonald's restaurants. 12 times greater rate than McDonald's restaurants. That's fast, because there's McDonald's popping up all over the place all the time. Back in verse 7, wisdom is too lofty for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. The gate is where the leaders met in a society. Um, the fool uh, doesn't go there with the leaders. He's not paid much attention to there. Um, therefore, the fool should be quiet. Um, unfortunately, they are usually the loudest ones, but people of substance really don't pay much attention to fools in the public sector. They have no clue what they are talking about. Um, they believe their wisdom is um, wise, and they, they can't understand why the world doesn't listen to them. They really, for the life of them, don't understand why we don't just fall down before them and thank them for their very presence on the planet. 
or why politicians don't just like welcome them in and say, give us your movie wisdom that you have in your heads, you know, their artistic visions that they create in their own minds. It's because they're fools. They don't get any respect from truly wise people. They only get respect from other fools. Um, if you ever watch these award shows on television, the Oscars, the Grammys, the whatever, it's fools patting fools on the back. Fools celebrating other fools. That's all it is. It's ridiculous. And um, they, they basically celebrate each other's foolishness, foolishness and we watch it. Why, do, why is there a market for that? Who even watches that stuff? Because it's just a bunch of fools being fools. They're good at it. So it brings no respect from the, the uh, truly wise. Um, also, it leads to sin. Obviously, in verse 8, he who plots to do evil will be called a schemer. So rather than respect, he's called um, a schemer, which literally is a possessor of evil plans. A possessor of evil plans, or crafty, one who's crafty. Verse 9, um, the devising of foolishness is sin. That foolishness, their craftiness, their scheming, it's sin. God just calls it what it is. It's sinful behavior. The scoffer is an abomination to men. That person that rejects God, that mocks God, um, it leads to um, being detested um, by others around them and, of course, by the Lord. And they're an abomination to real people of wisdom. Uh, thirdly here, it leads to personal breakdown personal breakdown in verse 10. If you faint in the day of adversity, um, and adversity here refers to sorrow or mischief, if you give in to temptation um, in that difficult time, if you follow the unwise, if you fail to follow the Lord when life gets difficult, he says here, your strength is small. Your spiritual strength is small. And it probably is small because they are not wise. They haven't been um, building themselves up. And generally, when this happens to a believer in Christ, they're not, remember back in verse 5, we talked about a, a wise man being strong. He's a man of knowledge. He increases his strength because he's spending time in the Word. He's spending time with other believers. He's being built up. And generally, when it, it comes to a Christian's life, and we get to the point in verse 10 where, where we faint in the day of adversity, and God makes an assessment, your strength is small. Do you know why it got small? It's because we stopped spending time in the Word. We stopped spending time with other Christians that were going to challenge us and encourage us to grow. And what happens is in your Christian life, you don't just grow and then plateau. You're either growing or you're going backwards. There's no in-between. There's no plateau where you land and you rest. You're either growing and moving forward in Christ or you're going backwards um, without Christ. And then you're susceptible to personal breakdown, fainting in the day of adversity because your strength is small. Um, a lack of wisdom causes true believers to not deal well with the trials that come in life. So what might those trials be? So we've talked about wisdom's applications, the failures um, that are possible if we fail to apply wisdom. Um, finally here, um, what might these be, these trials? Wisdom's benefits. Wisdom's benefits. So what are benefits? If your job has benefits, what's that mean? 
What's a benefit? Extra things. So it's something that you're not working for, right? It's not something that you have to earn. It's a benefit that since you've got this job now, we're going to give you this extra benefit, whether it's health, ins health insurance or paid vacations or whatever. Those are benefits that are added on top of your normal, your normal um, salary. Here we have some benefits of wisdom. <laughs> These are, this is overflow that should come because we are exposed to wisdom. We're growing in Christ, and we are people that, that are considered wise by God according to his definition in the word, not the world. The world isn't going to think that we're wise at all, but other believers probably would that know you and have seen your track record. Um, what are the benefits? Number one here, we can help other people. Oops, sorry, I went the wrong way. We can help other people that are foolish. We can help other people that are foolish. Um, it would be it would be um, it would be good if we could just say, you know what? Let's just let's just stay away from foolish people altogether. Um, they're all going to burn in hell. I'll be glad. I'll be cheering for them when they're thrown in the lake of fire. But that's not what God calls us to do, is it? What's He calls us to do? He calls us to reach those people. He calls us to reach out to the fools and bring the gospel to them. He calls us to confront Christians that are wandering from Christ and challenge them and call them back into a right relationship with Christ. And when we have wisdom in our lives and it's living and active, God's going to bring us opportunities to exercise that wisdom and use it to help other people in the contacts, uh, contacts that we have. Verse 11 um, he says, deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. So we're here to wander. We're here to warn and to seek those that are wandering from Christ, to rescue those that are going headlong uh, toward death, to share the gospel with them, to hopefully rescue them from their direction that they're going. I love that poster that, that um, uh, I used to have in my office. Do I still have that? Where's it at? I never look at the walls in my office. Okay, it's on one of the walls in my office. The poster of the pit, the lake of fire, heaven's on one side, earth's on the other side, and the earth is just like the masses of humanity are spilling off into the lake of fire, flying off. In the, if you've never seen that picture, go look at it in my office. Flying off into the pits of hell. And um, there's one little skinny road over here where there's a few people walking in a couple little churches that's the narrow way. You get the wide way, people are flying into hell, and then you've got the narrow way where people are on the path that leads to the bridge that goes across into glory on the other side. And then if you look really, really close, there's a couple of people wandering off of that path and calling people, and people are following them onto the path that leads to glory. You see, they're, they're taking a risk by going out there and reaching those people reaching out to those people. So there's a balance in our lives of not allowing bad company to affect us, but we need to affect them. We need to take the gospel to them. Of course, we do that very prayerfully. We select our times very carefully. We make sure we're on top of things spiritually uh, before we do that. But we're here to go reach those people. Verse 12, if you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? 
What's he saying to us there? What's he saying to us? He said, I'm going to hold you accountable for reaching out to these people. We, we are going to be held accountable for our, our involvement in, in sharing the gospel with the world, our involvement in missions and reaching out around the world um, with the gospel. And those with, with the power to help need to use that power to reach out to people. And um, whether they ever turn is not our responsibility. Our job is not to save people. Our job is to make the message clear so God has the opportunity to draw them if he wants to do that and they want to believe. He can do that. But our job is not to save people. Our job is just to communicate the message to them so they have the opportunity to trust in Christ. Um, secondly, it gives us a future hope. It gives us a future hope. In verse 13 my son, eat honey because uh, my son eat honey because it is good, and the honeycomb which is sweet to your taste. So this is, is an illustration, of course, eating honey, um, and the honeycomb is an illustration of sweetness of something that's good, something that's desirable. I mean, to them in this day and age, that was the best thing that they had. The sweetest, most um, healthy, energizing food that they had was honey. I mean, they didn't they didn't have the ability to make blueberry pies and and um, Twinkies and you know ho-hos and all that stuff they had honey just right out of the hive they would eat honey so this illustrated good things things that strengthen you things that are worthwhile um, and in verse 14 uh, he goes on and says so shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul it's like honey when you taste that sweet honey going down that's what it's like when you um, understand the word of god and have wisdom become part of your inner man uh, it's a very very good thing um, it's just like honey so shall knowledge of wisdom be to your soul if you have found it there is a prospect and your hope will not be cut off the prospect here means latter end the latter end if you have found the knowledge and wisdom of God, uh, of course, we know that um, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And it's really all about the gospel. It's all about trusting in Christ. Um, the latter end being um, our eternal future with him because of our faith in him. And it's, it's played out in the wisdom that we live in our lives. We should be those, those that know Christ should be those that live lifestyles that are wise that draw other people uh, to the Lord. So we have an eternal hope. We have an eternal hope. Finally, uh, in conclusion, there are um, uh, many applications for wisdom. Um, they protect us uh, from evil. They help us to bear fruit. Um, wisdom's failures are many. If we fail to apply it, we could be considered fools. Um, it could lead us into sin. It could lead us to personal breakdown um, when the pressures of life come. And then finally, the benefits are not selfish. They benefit others. We reach out to others. And it gives us a future to look forward to, as the author here says. You know, surely there's a hereafter. Surely there is. And so we need to be preparing for the hereafter. It's, it's coming. So we need to be prepared for that. That's where um, our focus needs to be in life.
So a couple of uh, items of application here. Um, number one, with wisdom, um, we're able to see how important influences are on us. We're able to see how important influences are on us. Wisdom protects us in more ways than one. We, we know that, that there's negative influences on us, and so if we know that, then we need to be careful. We know that we're not supposed to be in certain places with certain people, seeing certain things. We know what our weaknesses are. Wisdom helps to protect us from being in those negative environments. And these are good truths to know, to teach to your children as well. Teach to your grandchildren. Influences are important on us. Secondly here, we realize that the goal of wisdom is to help other people. It's to help other people. It's not just to be sitting around in my study all day and communing with God and studying for messages and discovering all these glorious truths and having the Holy Spirit just wash over me in warmth all the time and you know that's not what my life is like that's not what it's like um, I have to take those things and go distribute to the church to the world to others that I have opportunity um, to share with and so we're, we're here to reach out to other people um, that's what we do as the body of Christ and what we should be doing in our personal lives as well when, when the Lord gives us opportunity. Okay, any questions? Any questions on this?